1: Coming to you from Classic City,
2: the capital of the
1: Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for For the the most die-hard Georgia Georgia fans in the country. country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm Tyler and back with me today in studio here in the Classic City is my co-host Charlie and it's another mailbag Monday here on the Glory UGA podcast. At least that's kind of what Mondays have become the past couple weeks. We didn't necessarily intend it to be that way, but the steady stream of offseason and mailbag questions has certainly not slowed down and we love that. And in an attempt to keep up with all those questions, we are dedicating yet another full show to answering as many of those questions as we can get to in our time frame that we've got for the show today. You've got questions, and I think we've got some answers for you. Before we get there, though, I do quickly want to throw a couple shout-outs out there to some of our listeners. We have had so many people rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts over the past year, and uh, we really appreciate that, guys. Each and every one of you. Cannot thank you guys enough for that. But today, we got some specific big shout-outs to Drew High and Bamboo Tom for writing the most recent reviews on Apple Podcasts. Guys, that's some really kind words for the podcast. We greatly appreciate that. We see you guys out there. We see each and every one of them. And it is, I promise you, very, very much appreciated. Got an extra big shout out to Bamboo Tom, who, Charlie, I don't know if you saw this, has apparently been listening to us all the way out in Asia, in Japan and Korea over the past couple of years. So we are definitely glad to be able to keep you at least a little more connected to home, Bamboo Tom. So appreciate you listening out there and the, the great... Beyond, I guess, is what we call Asia, way out there somewhere. So thank you there, and Charlie, I, I definitely also I gotta give. Did you see this other review, Drew High? Did you see this? Did you happen to catch this? Yes. Okay, for our listeners who might not have caught this, Bamboo Tom, we are so grateful you're listening to us out in in Asia, out there in Japan and Korea. But Drew High is the man of the hour right now. Drew High is a, a gentleman and a scholar. Charlie, I'm just going to pull this up for you here so you can read this to our listeners, the people who might not have had a chance I to have catch to this. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I, I'm not a very good reader. I don't have my glasses on right now, so I'm really going to need your help here. Can you read this for me? I feel
0: like you're just trying to I, I mean, no, what does it say? It says, I enjoy your podcast. Tyler is by far in a way, the best one on the podcast.
1: Can you read that last part for me again? I, I couldn't quite make that out.
0: Best one on the podcast.
1: Who was the best one on the podcast? Tyler do you agree with him sure i mean i think he's he's spot on here i think he's got to be i mean you, 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 do, you do do a really good job it shouldn't hurt your feelings it's just one of the the laws of physics that i'm the best one this podcast mm-hmm. i think we all know that
0: physics i
1: mean i don't know laws of I, I gravity physics i don't know I science don't, was never my thing
0: i don't think that works
1: i mean well okay maybe not i'm not the smart one the smart one is is our man drew here drew thank you very much a gentleman a scholar He's the kind of guy that you want on your team. He's the guy. He's like the high football IQ coach's son. Everybody knows he's the one you go to if you need your problems fixed. Drew, thank that was you, Bamboo sir. Bamboo
0: Tom. Bamboo
1: Tom, listening out in Asia. That's fantastic. I love you, man. But Drew, hi. I mean, I, I, I don't know if we've ever had a more accurate review that's been sent in.
0: That's fine.
1: I mean, it's pretty good.
0: I mean, sure. You know,
1: obviously, all in good fun here. I, I, I had to laugh when I saw. It. I was like, <laughs> by far the best in the past. Actually, it says, what is? Uh, it was an autocorrect, got him. Tyler is by far and away the best one on the postcast. But I, I, I appreciate the sentiment. I get where that's coming from. I don't know about that. I think Charlie does a great job. Curtis, uh, Curtis is – I mean, Curtis is smarter than all of us, right? Going to law school. I mean, he's hes the genius of the podcast. So Maybe. Maybe? Oh, Charlie throwing shade?
0: I know some things Curtis has done.
1: I mean, we all know some things Curtis has done, but I've done some things. You've done some things. Yeah. You killed a man once, didn't you? No. No? Oh, that was – okay, not you.
0: Stop making up lies.
1: Sorry. Just sorry. My bad. Anyway, so thank you. Appreciate that. Bamboo Tom. uh, Drew, High. Appreciate it. Again, thanks to everyone who's sending a a review of the podcast and I don't know, ever. Uh, I know we've had a lot come in since the pandemic started. So just want to throw some shout outs out there. Appreciate you guys. Keep them coming. It's always a great way to help us if you are so inclined. But all right, Charlie, had to throw that out there. But we got a lot of questions to get to, so what do you have cooked up for me here today on the podcast?
0: All right, we're going to open big today as Jared asks the million-dollar question that is at the forefront of every Georgia fan's mind right now. Jared says that he knows Kirby Smart has set the standard with multiple SEC championship appearances and a national title appearance in his first five years, but he thinks the 2021 team will be the best team since Kirby has taken the job. Do you agree with this? And if so, is this finally the year we shake the 1980 curse forever?
1: What do you think, Charlie?
0: I mean, we could be. It's, you just, always... it's one of those things. It's all got to line up at the same time.
1: And that's been the story of Georgia for my entire lifetime, right? Like, we have a great defense. Offense is eh. Our offense, we finally get into high gear. But like with Aaron Murray, Aaron Murray's breaking records as a quarterback. But the defense just can't get it done. When are we ever going to put it all together? You're exactly right, Charlie. Uh, but you always give me crap every single year that I say this is the year, right? You always hammer me for that. Yeah. I, I push back on that. I don't say that we're going to win. I'm actually, I don't know if, ever, if I've ever come into a year saying we are going to win the national championship this year. I don't think I've ever like flat out declaredly said that. I've said that I think we have a chance to compete for a playoff berth. And I think that's fair. I mean, look, okay, homer alert here. Before I start going through my answer to this question, let's just throw it out there. Homer alert. I know I'm going to get some pushback. Oh, he's just a homer. But I'm going to back this up with some objective facts here, guys. All right. I think to answer Jared's question, is this the most talented team that Kirby Smart has had here in Athens? I think it's really not even close. I think this is almost without doubt the most talented team, top to bottom, 1 through 85 on the scholarship roster the most talented team that Kirby Smart has had here in Athens. I know you can say, well, we went to the national championship game in 2017. How can you possibly say a team that hasn't taken the field yet is more talented than a team that went to the national title game? Well, I mean, guys, just, you, you saw the, the same team I saw in 2017. That was an all-timer Georgia team. It was an incredible team. That's some of my favorite players ever. Nick Chubb. I don't know if anyone will ever be able to surpass Nick Chubb on my like Georgia pantheon of, of athletes. I don't think it's possible. Love the guy. Love Sony. Love all those guys. But look at some of the guys we had on that roster. Guys like Dom Sanders, Malcolm Parrish, Reggie Carter, Aaron Davis, David Marshall to a degree. Kendall Baker. Remember that name? Kendall Baker, Charlie. Do you even remember that name at all?
0: Yeah. You do? I do. Well, you, you I might be thinking of a different... My point is
1: going to be like, you would say, oh, no. I think like, Exactly. You made my point from it. you remember Kendall Baker. I mean,
0: there are a lot of players I don't
1: remember. Okay. Well, Kendall sure. Baker, if you guys remember, started basically, I think it was 14 to 15 games in 2017. And then in 2018, he loses his starting job. Uh, Jeb, Jeb Blazevich is a guy who was a good player for us, but those names, Dom Sanders, Malcolm Parrish, Reggie Carter, Aaron Davis, David Marshall, Kendall Baker, Jeb Blazovich, are those guys starting for the University of Georgia in 2021? Let no. me let yeah, let me just tell you guys, no. I'll answer, I'll answer my own question. No, they are not starting for Georgia. They might be in the rotation somewhere, but they're not starting, they're not playing for Georgia, and those guys are big time contributors, starters on the 2017 SEC championship team that went to the national title game. Great team, really good team, really kicked off the Kirby Smart era. We know that, but that doesn't mean they're the most talented team that Kirby Smart's had. They were, I guess, the most accomplished team that Kirby's had, not the most talented team. And I told you guys, for those of you who've been listening for a while, all the way back to 2017, I told you that year, after we lost the title game, I was numb for about eight months afterwards, Uh, as Charlie can, can tell you. I just, like, was staring off into space anytime anyone would talk to me for about eight or nine months after that game. I finally, I don't know, I can't say I've gotten over it, but I've moved on a little bit, I guess. But I told you guys after that game that, yes, this sucks but don't despair too much. Don't hang your head too much because that is going to be the least talented Georgia team for the next four to five years. And I stand by them. As Kirby has continued to recruit and add more and more talent to the roster, every year since 2017, we've had a more talented roster. 2018, 2019, before all the injuries, to last year, and I think this year, all, every one of those teams is more talented than the 2017 team. Now, have we had the right mix that Charlie was kind of getting to? Have we had the leaders? Have we had a Nick Chubb type guy? Have we had some breaks go our way? No, we haven't had all those things happen like we had 2017. So we haven't accomplished as much as the 2017 team did since that point. But I think each year we've been more talented because so we just keep adding elite recruiting class on top of elite recruiting class. And I think honestly, the, the only team that I think would compare to the talent we have on the roster this coming year in 2021 would be last year's team. And yeah, I know we're losing Eric Stokes, you lose Tyson Campbell, Azizo Ojolari, Monty Rice, Trey Hill, you lose some guys, you lose potentially a, a couple first round draft picks if, if things go our way. In the NFL draft next uh, next month well, not next month but a couple of months from now I think I, I think Aziz will at the very least be a first round draft pick so I think we'll have at least one guy so you are losing a lot of guys that started a lot of games for us played at a high level talented players but we still have a ton of talent here you got guys like Nolan Smith and Adam Anderson to fill in for Aziz you got Keely Ringo to fill in at corners, a five star recruit of the top players in the country coming out last year Nicobe Dina inside linebacker and then on top of that you add some young guys that are ready to contribute more in year two guys like Cedric Van Pram on the offensive line. I mentioned Keeley Ringo. Jalen Carter, the defensive line, might become an absolute household name monster type defensive lineman this year. Arian Smith, also a guy that I think could become a household name here before too long with his speed and ability to to stretch the field offensively. Jermaine Burton, a year year older in the system, a year more in the system, a year better. Marius Mims coming as a true freshman. Nyland Green coming as a true freshman. You're adding all that talent to the mix as well. So yeah, we lose some guys, but I think there'll be more guys that are ready to contribute that are insanely talented players. And by the way, that 2018 class, the first number one recruiting class in Kirby Smart's tenure here in Athens, that class that some people were calling the greatest recruiting class of all time until this year with the the class Alabama put together, those guys that are still on the roster are seniors now. Now, I know some of those guys transferred out. I get that. But those guys are seniors now. And then we followed that 2018 class up with a number two class in 2019, another number one class in 2020, another top five class in 2021. And on top of that, oh yeah, by the way, we have a returning quarterback in JT Daniels. And that to me is the biggest difference between this 2021 team. And I know it's all potential because we haven't seen it yet, but on paper, that's the big difference between this 2021 Georgia team in the other talented Georgia teams over the past couple of years. Because for a couple of years now, like, we've been, this is nothing new, we've been one of the two or three most talented teams in America. We just haven't had that quote-unquote guy at quarterback. And we've all seen what the game has become. We've talked about this ad nauseum throughout this past football season. The quarterback position has become the most important position. You have to have an elite quarterback. You have to have one if you want to compete for championships at the highest level. You can't just get by anymore with the Greg McElroy's of the world, the Jake Cokers, the Craig Crinsels. Let's go back to the early 2000s with Ohio State. Those guys aren't winning national championships anymore, All right. We tried that with Jay Fromm. He was one of those kind of guys, maybe a little bit better than, than the guys like McElroy and Coker and Crinsel. but we we got closer from, but we're not going to, we were going to win with a guy like that. You don't win championships, national titles with those kind of guys anymore, that you can just rely on to be steady and not make mistakes, not put the team in bad positions. You used to be able to get away with those kind of guys if you were elite everywhere else. Not anymore. Nowadays, it's an absolute necessity to have a playmaker back there at that position. You have to have that. And I think we saw enough of JT Daniels to lead us to have confidence that he is that type of playmaker. See, perfect. No, we've detailed a couple of weeks ago, some things this guy has got to work on. He's got some mechanical things that he's got to clear up. And now he's got a full year in the system. He's got a full spring practice coming up, a full fall camp. I'm confident that those things can be fixed. And he was really good for us, even with some of those mechanical issues last year, without really understanding the offense, all that well, having a great grasp of it. Now he's going to have all of that. And I think that's going to lead us to have the kind of quarterback that we need to have to truly compete for titles. So when you factor in that we have the quarterback the guy that can be a playmaker back there at the most important position. You factored that in along with all the elite recruiting classes, as I mentioned, that we've stacked together year after year after year. I think absolutely this is going to be the most talented team that Kirby Smart has had. If it's the most talented team Kirby Smart's had, I mean, I don't, I'm don't, i not an old timer, and I say that with all the love in the world. I'm not trying to denigrate anyone calling you an old timer. I don't go back that far to like the early 80s and 70s and some of the great Georgia teams from that era, but in my lifetime, if it's the most talented team in Kirby Smart's area, it's the most talented team potentially in Georgia history. But Charlie, as you like to point out, that does not mean that we'll win a national title. I'm not ready to say that yet because we don't exist in a vacuum, right? The University of Georgia, as much as we might like to think this, we do not exist in a vacuum. There are other programs out there that recruit at a high level, that have really good programs, have a lot of donor support, all that kind. They have all the bells and whistles, just like we do. There are Ohio State's, there are Clemson's, there are Alabama's. We know those teams exist, so. Are we going to be as accomplished as we were in 2017? Will we get as far, win an SEC championship, win a college football playoff game, get to a national title game like we did in 2017, even though I think this team is more talented? That remains to be seen because there are other teams involved. Maybe the teams this year that we're going to be competing against are better than teams in 2017. I don't know. We'll find out. But I am very confident and comfortable saying that I do think that this coming team, this 2021 Georgia football team, although we haven't seen it on the field yet, will be the most talented team in the Kirby Smart era. We'll see what that means, but I think it's the most talented team.
0: We will see. All right, up next, Gregory says that he knows everyone is really worried about the secondary this year and and wants to know if it's really that much of a concern. He goes on to explain that it's college football and there's always going to be turnover. And Kirby has recruited at an elite level. So he doesn't think it's going to be too much of an issue. So what's your take?
1: I get where Gregory is coming from. It is that is the nature of college athletics, right? It happens every year. And it does kind of feel like, you know, every year we go into the year with like one position or another, that we're like, oh man, we're losing a lot of talent there. Like that's the big Achilles heel, whether it's the offensive line years ago, quarterback coming into this year, right? Uh, The secondary, are coming into last year, secondary coming into this year, whatever it is, it seems like every year, there's a position where we're, we don't have as much experience. We don't have as much depth. There's always a concern here or there. it's it's without fail. And secondary just happens to be like the flavor of the month, right? It's the concern this year. So I see where you're coming from, that turnover happens in college football, and we've dealt with this before at other positions. We'll deal with it again this year, and we'll be just fine. We won't miss the beat. We'll be okay. And I love the attitude. I love the optimism there. I really do. I I, I appreciate that. I value that. I need to take that that attitude on a little bit myself. But I'm still going to sit here and, and say I am still concerned. It's concerning to me. The secondary is concerning to me because of how college football has evolved over the past several years to where the passing game, you guys watch football just like I do, it has exploded. And now the best teams, here's what makes it tougher. Now the best teams with the best talent, like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State, they've caught up and decided they're going to stop being arrogant, thinking they can just run it over and through everyone like Alabama did for years and years and realized, oh wait, well we have better talent. Well, if we just start doing all these things that other teams are doing that are kind of beating us and upsetting us with better talent, they can't touch us. If we actually take on the innovations in college football and incorporate that into what we do schematically. And the rest has been history with teams like, again, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. They've done it. They have more talent. Now they're running those more advanced, innovative schemes. And now the other teams can't keep up with it. Because like, when, the, when the spread came into vogue and all these teams running the air raid, it was it initially came into vogue as a way to kind of level the playing field because you didn't have as much talent. But now the teams that have all the talent, they're doing the same thing. So it's like, okay, now we have this college football superclass. And I think that's what concerns me the most is that college football and football in general, pretty much every level has become so much about throwing the football and pushing the, the ball vertically hurting teams with passing game. And what does the secondary do? What is their function? They're supposed to, more than anything, stop the passing game. That concerns me. And look, like the youth is secondary. I don't think it's going to hurt us so much against teams like Kentucky or South Carolina or Tennessee, maybe, because those teams, again, they just don't have the talent to make it a major problem to exploit us. But you know who does? Clemson does. Alabama does. Florida does ish. They did last year. We'll see about this year. I think they're going to be as talented at the skill positions this year, losing a lot. But the teams that we're going to have to compete against for actual championships, those actual contenders, they have the talent to make us pay in the secondary. And if the modern offensive game has put such an emphasis on quarterback play and pushed the ball down the field, logically, it just follows that secondary play. And also, I think to a, a large degree as well, pass rush, have assumed even bigger levels of importance. So that's what keeps me concerned about the secondary. And it's the inexperience. We do have talent. We have talent. Back I mean, again, I mentioned Keely Ringo. I think when it's all said and done, might be the best player in that entire recruiting class if he stays healthy and plays up his potential. I think he's that good of a player. We have talent. What we lack is experience. Uh, but I also say, and, and to, who, who was this question from? Gregory. To Gregory's point, maybe I am overplaying this some because it's not as though we have no one coming back in secondary. We have both starting safeties coming back. Louis Steen coming back. Chris Smith projects to be the starter there we got a little bit of experience for Latavius Brini late in the season. So at safety, we have a little bit of, We have a lot of experience. There are a fair amount of experience. But at cornerback, that's where the concern is. Um, but we do have some guys that have been with the program. Uh, even Ringo and Jalen Kimber who didn't really play last year, they were with the program. They were in meetings. They were learning the defense. They were at practice. They know all these things. They have a, a better knowledge of what we do. They just got to go out there and get the experience on the field, which is very valuable in itself. So again, maybe I have made too much of it. Maybe Gregory is onto something here. But I'll stick to my point and which has been that if there is an area of concern on this Georgia team this year, that's the spot. It's the secondary. Because I think we are loaded for a title run everywhere else. And maybe that's why I'm. if I am overplaying it and I'm exaggerating the concerns in the secondary, it's because I think we have a championship caliber team. And I'm not just saying an SEC championship. I think we have a national championship caliber team everywhere else, as long as we can find some answers in the secondary. So maybe that's why I'm being uh, maybe dramatic. I don't know, Charlie. Am I being dramatic? Am I going crazy here? It's, I, I tend to do that when it comes to Georgia I mean, sports.
0: dramatic about a lot of things, but...
1: Not really. I'm very low maintenance.
0: Oh. mm
1: mm-hmm. Georgia athletics, okay, yes, I'm very dramatic. I'm very passionate about it. Everything passionate, else in life, yes. everything else in life, like, uh, you know, I'm happy-go-lucky, but... Georgia's different.
0: All right. Let's move on to the next one. So believe it or not, spring practice opens next Let's Tuesday. Go. And Luke has that on his mind as he asks, which player does Georgia need to take a big step forward to get back to championship status?
1: Which player or players?
0: Player. So I
1: have to pick one?
0: Singular. Singular. But you can give like two or three. Oh, thank
1: you for your permission. I appreciate that. Uh, okay. I just mentioned this guy. I'll, I'll bring him up here. Keely Ringo. If, we, if, if I just said secondary is, is the biggest concern of the team coming into the 2021 season, well, one of the guys I think has the best chance to be an answer there is Keely Ringo. Is Keely ready to be an answer? I don't know. I've not seen the guy play a snap and ball. No one has. But judging what, from what I've seen from him going back to his prep days and just the, the physical upside of this guy, Keeley Ringo... I mean, have you guys seen like all these GPS things they do? Like him and Arian Smith have this like ongoing battle. They keep posting this on social media, on Instagram. Like who has the fastest GPS numbers each day or with each workout? And it seems to go back and forth between Arian Smith and Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo, guys, is a physical freak. He's doing that at about 6'2", 6'3". This guy is a monster athlete. He has every physical tool it takes to be a great corner. I've said many times, I don't know if I believe in lockdown corners anymore, that idea, because the way the rules have been changed over the years and structured to favor offenses. I just don't even know if you're allowed to be a shutdown core anymore. But I think Keely Ringo has the ability to be as close as you can get to it. Now, will he be that in his first year of actual playing time? I don't know. I I, I don't have a crystal ball to look into. I wish I did. I wish I could see the future. I'd be a millionaire if I, a billionaire if I could do that. But I don't know. Um, but I think Keely is a guy, if we need one to step up, it needs to be him. I'll throw another two other names out here. We're losing... Aziz Ojolari, who's probably going to be a first round draft pick now. He's rising up the draft boards as he should, as he's, I mean, it's crazy to me that people didn't recognize how good he was while he was here. Georgia fans did, but people outside Georgia just didn't really give this guy a lot of love, but now he's getting that as he deserves. But somebody needs to step up in his absence, whether that's going to be Nolan Smith or Adam Anderson, one of those two guys, because again, I think the secondary and your pass rush go hand in hand, right? those, they're kind of mutually dependent on each other. Pass rush needs a secondary to hold up in coverage. Second, Secondary needs a pass rush to get there. So they don't have to hold up in coverage as long as, as you otherwise would have to. So I think Nolan Smith or Adam Anderson, we need one of those guys to have an disease type impact this year. And I'm actually pretty confident that at least one of those guys will, if we would just unleash them, which I think there might be more of a chance. I'm hearing some, 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 uh, thoughts coming out of, out of butt smear these days that old Dan Lenning is pushing Kirby a little bit more to allow him to be more aggressive defensively. So we'll see if that transpires. All
0: right. Just Thank you for names. keeping that brief. I thought Just that for was going to be Just for you. longer. Just for you. All right. So sticking with the theme of spring practice, Willie says, it seems like every spring we hear about an unexpected player making a big move for playing time. Who is going to be that J.R. Reed underrated type guy that no one is talking about right now, but is going to emerge and make a name for himself this spring?
1: Hmm. Again, singular? Yes. Okay, underrated guy. You two. Underrated guy that no one's talking about right now. Okay, so I don't know. The first guy that comes to mind for me, I'm really high on him. I think I mentioned him on the show before. He's a member of this most recent 2021 recruiting class. He's an early enrollee. I don't know if he classifies as an underrated guy. He's a, essentially a top 100 recruit. But you don't hear as many, people, as many people talking about him as you do some of these other really highly rated guys. And that's tight end Brock Bowers. I am extraordinarily high on how good Brock Bowers can be. I know everyone's upset that Eric Gilbert is, who knows what Eric Gilbert's doing, but he's not, at least as of now, he's not going to be a member of the University of Georgia football team. Maybe that changes and he decides to enroll, that'd be great. But I know people want him to be in Athens and were upset when he went to Florida and that whole nine yards. And I, I mean, look, I would love to have Eric Gilbert. Eric Gilbert's a great talent, obviously. We know that. I mean, who would not want that guy on your team? you would be crazy. But I didn't feel like that was as big of a blow as maybe some people felt it was initially because I think we have a borderline stud at tight end of Brock Bowers. I love Darnell Washington. Darnell's going to be awesome. But again, as I've said on the show a couple of times, as much 12 personnel as we like to run with two tight ends, Darnell's going to be on the field. and I think Brock Bowers can potentially, maybe not right away, but potentially overtake a guy like John Fitzpatrick, I think he's just, he has more athleticism. He's got better skill at tight end. I think he's more of a threat in the passing game, which again, that's what caution ball has become. I think it's going to be really hard to keep this guy off the field, especially if he can learn the system. Now I don't, maybe, maybe not coming out of spring. Spring is when like the early enrollees, their heads are, are spinning because they're getting everything just thrown at them. But I think come fall, I think by the end of spring, you'll start to hear some stories about Brock Bowers. you hear him mention in some of these practice reports about, hey, this guy, watch out for him. He's really starting to make some plays. He might not have it all figured out, but he's starting to really make some plays. And then with the rest of the, su- the spring and summer going to fall camp, I think Brock Bowers is going to be a name that you're going to hear a lot about and the guy that can emerge as one of those guys that plays a lot as a true freshman. So keep that name in the back of your pocket. I'll go one more here. A guy who I think is going to his um, eighth year in the program, maybe. You guys probably forgot he's in the program. Amir Speed, cornerback, Amir Speed. He's a long, linky guy that people were excited about when he first came to Athens. It hasn't really worked out for him yet, but he's not transferred. He stayed on the team, and this is a guy that with so much opportunity at cornerback. I mean, cornerback is wide open. I think Keely Ringo is going to be one of those guys that wants a job. Jalen Kimber will factor in there as well. But Amir Speed, we don't. I mean, Nylon Green's coming in. I know we were saying we, we're going to need him to be ready right away. We got some true freshman coming in, but. Amir Speed's been in the program. I think he's a fifth-year senior now. At least he's four. He's been here forever. I lost track how many years this guy's been here, but he's been around a long time. He knows this system, and I don't know if the coaches trust him yet. I don't know. He hasn't really played a ton. It has played basically no meaningful snaps, but we saw a guy like Tavius Brini, right? Charlie, Tavius Brini late the season, another guy very much in the in the Amir Speed mold that you just kind of forgot about. You've written off this guy's never going to play, but what do we see late in the season? It's Missouri, Against Cincinnati, the Peach Bowl, all of a sudden you see Latavius Green in there like making plays and playing well. So it makes you wonder, can a guy like Amir mere speed develop? Because that, that's that's the what Kirby that's the uh, the criticism of Kirby that he, he always gets. Kirby can't he can recruit, but he can't develop talent. Well, I think I, as I've laid out many times in the show, that's BS, that's straight BS. That's not a real, that's not reality. Maybe Amir mere speed's one of those guys that just took longer to develop. Maybe now that he's an upperclassman, he's ready to contribute when he's got so much opportunity there. So that's a guy to watch out for. I'll give you a bonus one. Cedric Van Pran at center. Cedric Van Pran center. Watch out. This guy's gonna make a move this offseason. I've heard a lot about him towards the end of last season coming out of, uh, of practice. Cedric Van Pran might make a move to win that starting center job.
2: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com.
0: All right, here's a question that the answer is not so easy and we don't really know the answer, but Reginald wants to know how many people are in Sanford Stadium come September 11th? Now, I will say I just saw an article where and I don't know the source, so it could be wrong, but it said that the CDC came out and said that adults who are vaccinated can gather in large groups without masks inside. Yes. So that tells me that the stadium will be full, and which other state other colleges have already announced.
1: Alabama said recently, Clemson came full. out, I think, today. Um,
0: now, whether the people who hold the season tickets, especially the older crowd, show up. They might well, be if they don't show up, somebody t- else is coming. Well, that's what yeah. I'm saying. They will be selling their tickets to other people. So I think it'll be full.
1: Well, I mean, the CDC, along with that guidance, they basically said like, well, you know, if, you, if you've been vaccinated, you should have to wear a mask if you're on people that haven't been vaccinated. But that's that's because they're not sure. They're waiting on the science. The research should, to determine if you can actually carry the – here we're getting like science-y if you can actually still carry COVID if you have been vaccinated or if you just don't get sick. So we'll see what the science says. But you know what, Charlie? You like my short answers? I'll give you a short answer. 92,746 people will be in Sanford Stadium. Of your
0: best friends? Of
1: all of my best friends the entire Wonderful. world. At least for every Saturday, that my best friends. Yeah, 92,746 people. September 11th against UAB. Let's go. Put it down. It's happening.
0: Ooh, and it'll be a hot one. Do
1: you yeah. not feel like... Do you, I mean, come on. You think it's like, really, right? Yeah. It's happening. I do. It's happening. Yeah. They can't afford... Even if it just comes down to pure financials here, economics...
0: Well, vaccines are supposed to be available to anyone who wants – adults that want them by the end of May. So. If you trust
1: the government. <laughs> well, that's a whole other story. That's,
0: that, that's not what this podcast No, it's
1: about. not at all. But yeah, by the end of May, right? So if anyone who wants to get – like we're talking about September. And this is not like – this is year two of this whole thing. So I – again, I firmly believe that science – I'm not a scientist. It seems like we're trending in the right direction there. And just from an economic standpoint – some of these programs can can withstand a year of not having people attend games. Two years, I don't know.
0: I'll tell you what, I would not want to be a University of Georgia police officer or an Athens Clark County police officer oh, yeah. or any college town that weekend, The first home oh, yeah. game weekend because it's just going to be debauchery. Did everywhere. you
1: see Boulder, Colorado, their I, first spring day? Oh I my God!
0: Bad idea. Bad idea. <laughs> well, I mean, the, like having
1: a good time is fine, but like the. Chasing cop cars and overturning random cars and like, Uncaught what? They I just should be punished. well, yeah, that's to be that's crazy. And I mean, to add more fuel to this, so the stadium is going to be full. I don't, if you, I don't know if you saw this. Chicago, the, the mayor of Chicago even announced that they're going to allow some fans this baseball season is not like two months from now for the Cubs, or like a month from now for the Cubs and White Sox in Chicago, which is basically shut down from the get go. Yeah, so if that's happening, you're going to tell me that Athens, Georgia is not going to allow a full stadium? I mean, come on. I think that they will. I think they will. Let's go. All
0: right. We'll find out in September, I guess. Hopefully before then. All right. Well, next up, we're going to move away from the gridiron over to the Diamond to talk some Georgia baseball. I
1: can just see you like, oh, God. If if you guys can see the look on Charlie's face right now.
0: I'm laughing because I don't know that much about baseball because I just don't find it that interesting. I am really happy for people that do enjoy it and find it interesting. I am just not one of those people um what do you I find interesting did not play softball as a kid i still can't really catch and throw very you can't, well like
1: a ball or anything
0: a, like just i'm not that skilled in that area so, like i can toss so you ball. play ball like a girl no, to I mean, borrow
1: a line from The Sandlot. I mean, I
0: just didn't play a sport that required throwing. Is that
1: catching. sexist? You throw ball. You throw, you play yes. ball as like a girl. Yes, it is. When I was a kid, I didn't realize that. Now, you know, now, are, now, that's, that's. I bet there rough. are a
0: lot of girls and women that could throw better than you can. Me. Yeah.
1: I was going pro. Oh. I was okay. going pro. Yeah. According to my my father still holds that against me. Oh like,
0: yeah, he gets so mad.
1: Oh yeah, because if you guys, I mean, I don't think I've ever said this, but I like, I was a big time baseball player and football player growing up. I mean. I had private pitching lessons, hitting lessons, played travel ball year-round, even during football season. I mean, I was a big-time baseball player. My father, like as all fathers are, was convinced I had what it took to go pro. Like, it was happening.
0: I remember you brought that up one time when we were all out to eat together, and he did go dead silent and just got very angry. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. That was... Yeah, it's not a good conversation to bring up. I don't even like to talk baseball around my dad anymore because I love him dearly, but he gets uh, – <laughs> you just like – his eyes just kind of glaze over now and, and you kind of see like the cold fury. But well, I quit playing baseball when I got like – going like my sophomore year of high school because I was – football is my passion. Football surprise, is my love. Surprise,
0: surprise. Uh, yeah. He I liked I football I love more. football.
1: And like I don't, you guys don't know me. You never met me. You don't know what I look like. But um, Charlie can tell you, I'm not like – the most physically talented athlete ever. And I love football. So I knew that if I was ever going to actually like start on the high school team, because I, we went, I, I went to a big time high school, I, a big time high school. I went to a high school that football is a big time sport. There's very important. Gwinnett County. It's a big deal. It's all I thought about growing up really. Um, I love baseball too but I wanted to play football I wanted to start um, and I knew I realized to do that I was going to have to dedicate like my entire life to getting better getting bigger getting stronger and so I did that and I broke my dad's heart in the process but anyway so I don't know where we were going we're talking baseball is that what you said yeah so what's so the question so
0: Seth wants to know through the first two weeks of the season what do you make of this year's Georgia baseball team and how far can they go I did see that they lost a few games to like teams I've never heard of
1: it happens in baseball sometimes it's just one of those sports but they
0: play a lot of Games right?
1: Yeah, but see even like I know you don't watch professional baseball. Like, let's, say oh, God, were, no. let's say if the Yankees were, let's say if the Yankees were at their pinnacle with the Derek Jeter years, they were winning World Series after World Series back in the nineties. Like, yeah, they might win hundred and fifteen games, but they still might. They could easily lose a game to a sixty-win Florida Marlins team or the now Miami Marlins. Like that's just how baseball works. Like if you have one pitcher who's hot one day, your guys are cold the play. It happens. But yeah, we've lost. We lost the. Uh, now we haven't lost a series, but we lost the game to North Florida on Friday. We lost one of the games to Evansville. We lost to Kennesaw State. Now that's a midweek game where we don't play. We're not pitching our top pitcher, so that is what that is. Uh, but how's the how's the season going so far? What did I make of the season? Is that that was a question, right? Yeah. Okay.
0: And how far can they go?
1: Okay, let's just start by saying and I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. We did a baseball preview show. This team has taken a step back from where we were last year. Last year, we had a College World Series potential national title caliber team. We had two guys that I think were first round quality pitchers. One of them went in the first round. One got first round money. Didn't go in the first round. Cole we got first round money. We, we were elite as a pitching unit, as a pitching staff, and we hit well enough. And I thought we had a chance to do big things, go back to College World Series for the first time. I think since 2008, when we lost to Fresno State, <laughs> all teams. Wow. Anyway, um, but like we're not as good as we were last year. It's still a good team. It's not an elite team. I don't think this is not a college world series team. I'd be stunned. I'd be pleasantly stunned, but I'd be stunned if they got to the college world series. It might be a, a tough. This team might like be a team that makes a that sneaks into a regional. I don't, I don't think we're gonna host a regional. We're not gonna be a national seed like we were a couple years in a row. I just don't see that happening. But still, like we're nine and three right now through the first two weeks. I think it's been a good start, especially considering the injury situation. The guy who was projected to be our top pitcher, John Cannon, he went down with mono, and he's still trying to fight back. We're hoping he's gonna get. I think he's going to pitch at some point this week. Now, will he be on a pitch count this weekend? Yeah, almost certainly. Uh, so that's that's been tough. And it's going to be a while to work him back in there. Romano just weakens you so much. Ryan Webb, our number two starting pitcher, he went, he got COVID, so he missed the first week and he's back now, but he's been on a pitch count. He hadn't been pitching very much, pitched well, but hadn't been in there a lot. So we had a couple injuries injuries uh, with guys like Buddy Floyd, McAllister, some guys that have gotten hurt in the lineup. So considering all those things, it's been a good situation. And I've actually been like, even with the injuries and I guess the health issues at, at, at the with the pitching staff, I've been pretty impressed with the pitching staff. That's when We've kind of been leaning on a fair amount of young guys. Like Jaden Woods, this guy has been a starter for us on the week on Sundays. Right now as a, as a staff, we have a 288 ERA, a 202 opponent batting average. Pretty good stuff. Like, you know, top third of the SEC. Where I still have concerns about this team, this is what I thought coming in, and, and we'll see. Maybe they get it going, but I have concerns about the bats. We we are fifth in batting average in the SEC, but we're not scoring runs. We are 12th in the league in run score. We're only ninth in slugging. What that tells me is we have guys that can hit, but we don't have guys, we we haven't had a consistent power bat emerge. We don't have the power in the lineup. For example, we've scored in 12 games, in our first 12 games, we have scored double digits one time. Now, you might be saying, well, it's baseball. You don't score double digits. In college baseball, yeah, you do, especially when you're playing teams like Evansville and Gardner Webb and Kennesaw State and North Florida this past weekend. Yeah, we should be scoring double digits, guys. We scored in double digits one time in our first 12 games. Comparison's sake here, I know Vandy's really good, but that's the kind of program we want to be, right? We want to be competing with the Vandys of the world. They've scored double digits runs five times in their first 10 games. So, 50% of their games, they've scored double digits we aren't touching that because we don't have the power bats. And that's fine against Evansville and Gardner-Webb and North Florida. You can still win those games. But is that going to be fine against the Vanderbilts and the Floridas and the Arkansas, the Ole Misses of the world? I have my concerns. I have my concerns. But it's been a good start. We have some guys that can hit. We're missing that power bat. I think we have some guys that can emerge. I just don't know if we're going to have that one dude. I mean, some of the freshmen are, are our best hitters right now. Corey Collins is a guy that I think can potentially grow into that guy. He's a true freshman. He's moved all the way to number three in the lineup. I just, I don't know if he's there yet. I think he can be that guy, but this year we'll see. I don't know. So that's my concern. I like the staff, especially once we get healthy. We have some guys that can hit the ball. We just don't have the power right now. And I just, we've definitely taken a step back from where we were last year, but it can still be a, a, a regional team.
2: You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-ads.com. Okay. Well, next up, we're going to do something I
0: don't think we've ever done on the podcast before, at least not when I'm here. We're going to talk some Georgia women's basketball. In case you missed it this weekend, the Lady Dogs made a run to the finals of the SEC tournament, taking down number two Texas A&M in the process before falling to South Carolina in the finals. I guess one Georgia team had to lose to South Carolina. Well, the men lost, too. Men's <laughs> tennis. Sorry, getting sidetracked. Men's basketball hasn't been South Carolina it, in the last just, ten games. We played South Carolina a lot this weekend in different yes. sports. So, Cliff called us out and said that... The women's basketball team is killing it, and we need to show more love on the podcast. So what would you like to add about the Georgia women's basketball team? And also, Joni Taylor, head coach, was voted... SEC
1: coach of the, year. Of the
0: year. And her birthday was yesterday.
1: Yeah, except like that we lost. Yeah, except she lost. Yeah. Hey, I am... What a what a job Joni Taylor has done. It, it took She had a good year a couple years ago, and then the recruiting fell off a little bit, and the recruiting's still not quite where I would like it to be. I, I am concerned a little bit here because... This team is so senior-laden with with girls like Gabby Conley, uh, Q Morrison, Stady, down low in the post. We have just been led by an outstanding group of seniors, and they're gone, obviously, after this year. So are the players in the pipeline to keep this thing going? I like some of the players that we have. I like Barker, uh, Caldwell, those kind of players. We have some players. We just got to continue to recruit. I think this this run in the SEC tournament – Will help us there, but man, I love watching this team play. I've I've caught a couple of games. I probably caught four or five their games throughout the year. Watched both games this weekend. Actually, all three games this weekend. Kentucky uh, was in the quarterfinals. Then A and M knocking down number two A and M in the semis. And then we gave South Carolina a heck of a game. I mean, South Carolina is a a basketball, women's basketball power right now. I think that's what they've won six of the last seven. It's either. Five of the last six or six of the last seven SEC tournament women's basketball tournaments. That's just a great program, but we pushed them, and it's just fun team to watch. They, they you can tell they love Joni. Joni loves them. They play hard. Q is my favorite player. Watching Q Morrison out there, she just loves to play. I, she's so gangly out there. I just love the way she plays. She buys in on on the defensive side of the ball. Just a great player. We ha, we have a lot of like we have a lot of depth, a lot of good quality players. I, I mentioned. Girls like Connolly, Maya Caldwell, Michaela Coombs make up a great guard lineup. Jenna Stady is a beast down low. Really hard since she got a foul trouble in the first quarter against South Carolina because Boston, Leah Boston for South Carolina was just a monster. And when Stady went out, like it, 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 that's when we things, it, things didn't go arrive. That's when we lost our lead there. We had a lead there for most of the first quarter. But when you have quality guard play in depth like we do to match along with the big-time post-person like Stady, you can be pretty good, especially if you buy in on the defensive end. This team is elite on the defensive end. I think we're probably... I'm not an expert when it comes to women's college basketball. I'm not going to pretend I am, but what I've kind of been able to keep up with, it seems like we're probably, according to the bracketology stuff, going to end up with a three seed. And depending on the draw, you never know, but depending on the draw, we, this could definitely be an elite eight, maybe an outside chance of being a Final Four team if we get the right draw, all teams get upset, that kind of things. We play defense, and that's a big thing when you get a tournament. We play defense, we have good guard play, we have the post-presence. I like this team are we as honestly as good as South Carolina? We probably, no, we aren't as good as South Carolina. We lost to them twice. But it doesn't mean that we can't make a run in the Final Four if we get the right draw. And I think this can definitely be an Elite 18 with an outside shot, again, with the right draw, to be in the Final Four team. Uh, but and even though we lost, it sucks losing. But well, what a huge step. Congratulations to Joni, the whole program, the ladies on the team. The first step is to be in these games, to get to these kind of games, to play in them. And then you use that to recruit better players. And once you get better players in, you start winning at a higher level. Then you actually start to win these games. So huge step. Love it. Very excited for joining the program.
0: All right. Last question. And we have our very first Georgia tennis squash. Whoa, What's
1: let's go. We've ever
0: gotten on the podcast. So Jeff brings up a good point. He says that we know... He knows that we were high on the men's tennis team's mm-hmm. chances to have a big year. Yep. But they've gotten off to a really slow start. What's going on there? Um, I'll let injuries, you take this. Injuries. It's as simple as that, right? Because when one person gets hurt, like Blake Croyder did a couple weeks mm-hmm. ago with his back, he plays doubles and he plays singles. So it threw off the entire doubles lineup, which means guys are playing with their teammates, but they don't have the same chemistry. That they do with their normal mm-hmm. partner. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the double point is really important in college tennis because that means you only have to get three singles matches. Yeah. Which is much easier than getting four,
1: especially when you're playing really good teams like yeah. we have been.
0: Yes, and we play Wake Forest soon too, which is another good tennis team. Yeah,
1: they won that title a couple years ago. And
0: then Trent Bride got hurt.
1: Our number one, our best player, our yes. number one singles and number one doubles player.
0: Yes. So when you've got two guys that are hurt who have been playing the past couple of weeks, even though they are hurt, they're not at Blake full missed full strength. a match
1: and a half. Trent missed a, a match, but you're right; they've come back. We, now, we didn't see the matches this weekend. I watched some of them on the, the live feed because they, they were in Gainesville and, and in Columbia, South Carolina. But we saw them here in Athens last week against Old Mississippi State. And when Blake came back and played against Mississippi State on Sunday, I mean, Charlie, you saw, he was a shell of himself.
0: Yeah, it was. I wild. mean, he, he,
1: can't, he, he can't serve. He can't serve. He can get but no juice from the ball whatsoever.
0: Is that the match he retired in, or was that Friday? He retired and no match.
1: Trent retired. Trent yeah. retired against Ole Miss. I'm talking about Blake. Oh, you
0: said Blake. Sorry. Yeah, Blake. Yeah, no, he's still. And Blake it. is our
1: number four. He's he's been our number four singles player. He's the this weekend was playing court five because we saw after Sunday's match because this guy got. By the way, guys, Blake Corcoran won twenty straight. I think it was twenty straight, right? Something like that. Twenty straight dual match dual matches going back to last year. And then he lost. We said you can see the frustration on his face. Like he was hitting himself in the head with his rackets, He was so frustrated because he's not used to losing. And he lost that match. And I think man and it was clear to anyone who's watched Georgia Tennis that he was not himself in that match. Like not even close to himself. He couldn't move like he wanted to, couldn't hit the ball like he wanted to. Just not even close. You could tell it was frustrating him. And then clearly our coaches saw that and said, Well, you know what? He's he's healthy enough to play, but he can't play at the level he's accustomed to. Let's let's move him down in court to court five. Maybe that'll give he maybe, was
0: playing court three that match.
1: Yeah, on last Sunday it was court yeah. three. Now he's playing court five and People are still having to play up courts, and it's not great. Trent is not healthy either. Uh, he's playing. Zink
0: is still really young. I don't think he got the benefit of being a true freshman last year. Yeah. Since the season cut short.
1: I will stand by what I said. When this team is healthy, this is an incredibly talented team. This is the best Georgia tennis team we've had in a long time when they're healthy. But I just don't. If you don't watch college tennis as much as I do and Charlie does, I don't think you appreciate maybe how much, even one injury, right, Charlie, even one injury to one of your top players can throw everything up, especially if they play singles and doubles, and then have two of your top four guys go down, that is really tough when you have a tough schedule to start off with. I mean, we were on the road against two top 15, two top 15 teams this past week, and Florida, we just got destroyed. We had a chance in South Carolina, and I think if without the injuries, we win that match. So now we're sitting here at one and four in conference. When we really, like, if we had these injuries, I'm pretty confident. We still might have lost to Florida. is really good. They're a top 10 team. I think this team would probably be 4-1, and one, at worst 3-2 and two without the injuries. So I am not giving up on this team. They will get healthy at some point. It's going to be rough going until we get healthy. Because the thing is, like we our top, our, our top six guys are really good. But how do you feel about the depth of this team?
0: The depth is not there. We don't
1: have the depth. If we have injuries, we don't have the, the guys that are behind them. They're just not – they're going to be good. Like, and Anselmo is going to be good. He might have the best serve in the team, but he's just not there as a, as a total player yet it's just not there so when these guys get hurt it really puts the pressure on our guys it just messes everything up so once we get healthy if we get healthy hopefully i still believe in this team what we need to do is to once we get healthy go on a run late in the season and we need to get inside the top 16 in the rankings the top 16 teams in the rankings get to host a regional that's huge we used to it was usually like a rite of passage for georgia right yes like every single may you knew oh well we're gonna host a regional well, the, the women's team have, but the men's team, it's been like two or three years now since we've hosted a regional. And that's very un-Georgia men's tennis-like. And we just need to get that back because that is a huge advantage when you're hosting the entire regional that can then get you to the final eight, the elite eight down there. And I guess this is Lake Nona this year. So I'm not giving up. I still believe in this team. I still believe in our coaching staff. I believe in this program. We just gotta get healthy. It's that simple. It's that simple. And then the women, real quick, they're just doing what they do. Like, yeah. it, there's, it's almost like, I'm not on wood here. Something bad could happen, but it's almost laughable that they just destroy everyone. Yeah, like it's just not even. It's not even close. Like, is there anyone honestly? Like, anyone going to even compete with us in the SEC this year?
0: In the SEC, I mean, who? Not so far. I mean, South Carolina's
1: had a pretty. They're having a rough year this year. They've been pretty. They've been good the past couple years. Um, Tennessee was a top 21, they were top 25 team. We beat, we just, I mean, that was a top 25 team and that was likely. Well, work. and it
0: says a lot because we're the team to beat. So we get a lot of- We get their best Everybody's match. best match, which yeah. is great because-
1: LSU's pretty good this year. They got a good girl, she's a good player on court one. But I mean, Cat, Kat is, she's just so good. She's just rolling right now. Yeah, I, I mean, they're just fantastic. Any, any big takeaways? The women were at home this past weekend. Did you get a chance to catch uh, it? You were out there.
0: Leah Ma- was playing well yeah she she's had a several she's starting to figure matches. it out she's yeah. starting to figure it out matured maybe a little bit
1: i mean she, like, it's kind of like zinc last year she didn't have a full freshman year yeah
0: business business she's super talented business.
1: yeah she's super talented she still has
0: a good time she screamed a few times and <sighs> yelled at herself and a she's still way.
1: sometimes like it's kind of like cat like when cat loses it's because cat beats herself like she double falls something. me and i think lee is the same way like Lee is better than just about everyone she plays like more yeah. talented but sometimes she'll make some of those unforced errors and that gets her into trouble she kind of gets to lack day school at times yeah. but talent wise like man she's she's really really good she's really good so the, the, the ladies keep dominating let's hope they keep that up but yeah I mean, I, don't give up on the guys if, if you're into tennis like we are if you're trying to get into it don't give up on them this team it still follow them still keep up with them when we get healthy we are going to be very good and the women are a national title contender all right but yeah, that's our tennis talk for today. So that's our that was our, is that our that's our first tennis question ever. Yes. That we've gotten like actually I think I've gotten a few DMs, but like for a mailbag show, I think this is the first one for a mailbag. So thank cool. You Thanks, Jeff.
0: For asking appreciate your it, question. man.
1: Always appreciate that. So that's it, right?
0: That's it, Alright, guys,
1: that's it for us here today on the Glory UGA podcast. As always, thank you so much, guys, for supporting the show, listening to us here. Curtis and I will be back later this week for our full official spring practice preview. We're going to do that a little bit of a different way this year. I'm kind of excited for it. Do something a little different. So make sure to check back in later in the week for that. But for now, for Charlie, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening. And as always, go dogs.